0: It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard show where it's all about you I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com so not so great economic news going on right now for the first time since March the number of people filing initial claims for unemployment is rising. And this was pretty clear from private data collection that the uh, rapid spread of coronavirus in uh, now I think it's 15 states has led to a reversal in a slowly improving economy around the country. And now things have gone into reverse a number of businesses that have reopened are now closing or dialing back. People are being laid off, sadly, a second time. I mean, it's, it's a ugly picture. And then you think about state of Ohio, which had done really well with coronavirus, getting really worried about people from Ohio who have been going on vacation this summer, bringing back coronavirus into Ohio, issuing an uh, order, that people need to quarantine when they return to Ohio. And it's actually, there's no sanctions that come with it. They just want anybody to quarantine who has been to places like Georgia, Florida, Texas, any of the states that have had these large outbreaks. And they've got, I mean, in Ohio, it's pretty widely spread as a news story about trying to corral this new wave of coronavirus from infecting the Ohio economy and so we have this thing going on where every time we try to get the economy back in gear we are having trouble and running into roadblocks and the roadblock is that the number of people getting ill is rising and unfortunately the number of fatalities is rising significantly day by day now so Congress is trying to come up with a replacement new stimulus package and trying to come to an agreement on what kind of additional unemployment compensation people will get and my thing is pretty simple we have to come up with a disease management plan because the government just can't keep having rescue packages because the economy can't get in gear when you look at what other developed countries have been able to do by having an organized system of testing tracing and isolating and then getting wide public acceptance for public health protocols of wearing a mask or bandana or shield or whatever and keeping distance from people and avoiding large crowds they've been able to be much more successful opening up their economies and resuming economic activity than we have so the reality is unless we do proper disease management and reduce the risk of people getting coronavirus and dying from it the economy can't recover and so this is like um, the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result and so congress is going to come up with some kind of stimulus law or bill that then will go to the president for his signature and it will be uh, a modification of what we've had in place and there's a lot of moving parts so it's hard to know exactly what the elements are going to end up being but there are certain provisions that were passed much earlier in the year that weren't expected to be needed potentially for longer and as an example Friday evictions can resume around the country in properties that have federal loans they have loans backed by the federal government there's been a moratorium on those evictions and that ends this week and so the evictions can actually take place and there's unfortunately a large number of people who have not been able to pay their rents who may now not have a place to live and so we have a tough tough thing going on right now and we need to come together we as a country have got to unite around simple principles that will help us manage we can't defeat coronavirus until we have effective vaccines that people widely take but in the meantime we can greatly reduce the impact of coronavirus if we develop a clear national program for testing tracing and isolating and then you and me do our part in the human behavior side of it by reducing the chance of exposing others each other to coronavirus with wearing protective gear keeping our distance and not ending up hanging out in crowds and so it's it's not like it's a big lift for each of us to make a difference and save lives and as a result also improve the economy but it's something we have to be of one mind about in the nation and we have been haphazard, we've been disagreeable with each other, and we've got to do better. It's time for your questions here on the Clark Howard Show. And if you posted a question for me at Clark.com slash ask, producers Kim and Joel are alternating asking your questions. And Kim, it's your turn. All right, this is from Lindsay in Georgia.
1: And Lindsay says in February of this year we signed a two year contract with a satellite TV service. And due to the shutdown, there are now no new shows coming on and live sports are still a mess. So since those are the two main reasons that we use this service, we would like to cancel or at least suspend until things go back to normal. With coronavirus going on, do you know if there's any options to get out of this
0: contract? Unfortunately, no. There are no specific accommodations being made with the satellite TV services I've been following the industry closely and I've not seen anything from uh, Dish Network or DirecTV offering people special coronavirus protections and I'm looking right now to see if there's anything on the websites that's offering any special relief with coronavirus and all it says is that they're offering special safety when somebody comes to your house to install satellite. I see nothing about anything at all with people who want accommodations because of corona. Um, One thing I would ask is, with the satellite players, do you have the ability with the contract you have to go to one of the lower-priced program packages from what you have right now? Also, maybe reduce the number of TVs hooked up to the system. If you can do that without violating the contract and triggering the penalties, you could do that. The penalties, by the way, go down each month. And if you really don't find it useful, you can cancel and return the equipment, pay the penalty fee, and it will almost certainly be much, much cheaper than what you're paying over a two-year period, remainder of a two-year period for the satellite service. Joel? Clark Walter in Maryland
2: says, I just got an email about the new Verizon Visa credit card. This looks to be a good credit card with $10 off your phone for every line, every month, and 4% cash back at grocery stores. Is this really true? Should Verizon users be getting this card?
0: Yeah, so if you are hyper-loyal to Verizon, Having the Verizon credit card is a loyalty incentive from Verizon to try to keep people from switching away. Verizon's in kind of a defensive position in the cell phone industry these days because Verizon tends to be more pricey than its competitors. And so offering this and giving you a discount that's basically a backdoor way of doing loyalty credits is a smart move for a Verizon customer. The way this Verizon card works is it's a strategic card. There are certain categories that it works very well for and others not at all. So if you use the Verizon as like a situation player card that you use obviously for Verizon, you use it for groceries, you use it for gasoline, those are 4%, um, use it for restaurants or takeout. You know, that's 3%. And so those would be, if you limit it to those specific activities, the Verizon card is a really smart thing. So it's one of those that I call a back-of-wallet card that you use only for those certain purchases, and then you're better off using a card that has more generous rewards generally than the Verizon card for other purchases. Kim? Robin in
1: California says, we have a reservation to go to the Turks and Caicos for February of 2021. Our passports expire in June of 2021. I'm afraid to send off our passports for renewal if no one is working in those offices right now. Do you happen to know the turnaround time? Also, do you know if Turks and Caicos require the passport to be valid for six months beyond arrival date?
0: Um... Turks and Caicos does require and almost every place now requires that you have six months remaining validity on your passport um, when you're traveling and I know of no one who has said that they are waiving that because uh, people having difficulty getting uh, passport renewed. So as far as is getting passports renewed there were significant problems for a while getting passports renewed, but the truth is is that people are not applying for passports like they normally are. So you've got a combination of lower volume and slower processing, but you'll get it in plenty of time. State Department has resumed processing passport applications, and with you not going till Uh, mid-winter, I think you'll be just fine applying for that renewal passport. Joel?
2: Clark Lloyd in North Carolina says, I'm moving to an apartment while my house is being built for about approximately three months. I was told by the apartment manager that I will have to put down a one-month security deposit. She also said I could pay Rhino, a monthly fee, this company Rhino, instead of paying the deposit. Do you know anything about this company and security deposit insurance in general? Is this a scam?
0: no it's not a scam at all you're paying for the privilege of having somebody else take on the initial risk of your security deposit billing you back for it over time and then making some extra money on top of that so they're taking on the risk by posting that security deposit you pay them and they make a return on their investment that's better than they could probably make somewhere else. So if you're short of cash and coming up with a security deposit is not something you can do, it's not money you can part with, then this is an alternative, but just know this isn't free money. The reality is for a lot of people coming up with security deposit money is a serious roadblock to being able to rent an apartment. I just want you to make sure if you ever use a security deposit assistance service that you budget in what you're going to have to pay extra per month and that it's money you can actually afford to pay every month in addition to your rent. Jacqueline is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jacqueline. How are you? Great. Thank you. I
1: really appreciate your show. I learned so much from you over the years. I switch, cut off the
0: cable, and then I switch my phone company, all because of your show. Well, thank you very much. Well, How can I serve you today?
1: Okay, so I, uh, I love technologies um, just as much as everybody else. So I heard you talk about the 5G network becoming available, but there is also some kind of talk about how you will hinder our health from the radio frequency. So I was just wondering, what do you think of it, and is it really true, or should we embrace
0: it, or should we um, vote against it? So, you know, we've had all through the years concerns that people have had about their health from cellular signals. This first became something people were really worried about in the mid-90s, and there was a lot of concern that just, you know, holding a phone by your head would be dangerous for you. And Mm -hmm. that was something that's always been kind of out there. But even the American Cancer Society says that the towers that are involved with transmitting cellular, whether it's 5G or 4G, that there's no danger from that at all. And there's a nice write-up on their website about it and talking about the potential exposure from it and this is not something that they are particularly worried about. So um, at the level of the antenna itself in the American Cancer Society briefing there is a potential concern but not on the ground being around one. So this is something I've used a 5G phone now for almost a year. And I got to tell you, it's been a game changer for me. The quality of the data side and the speed is great. But the other thing, I use T-Mobile. The Uh coverage in extreme rural areas of America that was always iffy on T-Mobile now is good and it's fast so I'm all in on 5G and I would say that the health thing has been a question mark for a lot of people but there's not data I know that's real and substantiated that 5G is dangerous so I hope that makes you feel more comfortable Jacqueline. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard show where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have So I have a breaking bit of information for you with the newest update coming just minutes ago that there apparently has been a data breach involving customers of Instacart. And the criminals have information on people who use Instacart. Even as recently as, according to BuzzFeed, people used Instacart yesterday. Now what do the criminals have access to? They have your name, your credit card information, your address, information on transactions, all the rest. The criminals have just enough information to engage in identity fraud and credit fraud using your credit card information that you have on file with Instacart. Special warning for you, if you have a debit card registered with Instacart, you have much greater danger because if, in fact, your information is hacked, then you are having money out of your checking account vanish and the law is so poor on how it works with debit card fraud versus credit card fraud that the money disappears from your bank you have to then fight with your bank where you're guilty till proven innocent to try to get your money restored. The banks even have such a stacked deck against you with a debit card that the bank can take its sweet time conducting an investigation, hold your money for the money that's vanished for two weeks, and then they can decide on their own whether or not they're going to give you your money back either what they call provisionally or not at all. And it's a terrible, terrible problem. As far as what is known at this point, there's information on approximately 280,000 Instacart accounts that has been leaked onto the dark web. Now, Instacart says that they're not aware of any data breach at this time. We take data protection and privacy very seriously. To their credit, they didn't say that there wasn't a data breach. They just said they're not aware of a data breach. And it's unknown how the customer information at this point could have leaked. And we also don't know how many other people beyond the 278,000 or whatever whose information is out there. The information is being sold um, among criminals for what's a very high price—two dollars a person. A lot of times, information like on credit card numbers and stuff will sell for pennies. The reason that this is so valuable to crooks is that people who use Instacart tend to be more affluent, tend to have more money that the criminals can go after, and. They have enough information with having all the data that I talked about that they can do a lot of harm with that information beyond just if they found access to somebody's social security number by itself or found somebody's credit card number by itself. So what does this mean to you if you're an Instacart user? You want to watch activity on the credit card or if you use a trashy debit card you need to watch your activity closely with a debit card set up online alerts with your financial institution so you know when transactions are occurring and you can turn that v- that card off immediately if there's suspicious activity with a credit card your only responsibility is to review your statement on a timely basis if there's phony charges that you dispute them so sorry to tell you about this data breach but it's important that you know early it's time for your questions that you posted at clark.com ask kim and joel alternate asking your questions and it's kim's turn
1: that's right and this is from eric in wisconsin eric says hi clark i'm considering a new car right now given the great incentives that are out there and increasing reliability issues with my beloved 2003 vehicle However, 2003, right? pretty fantastic, cool. pretty cool. That's so great. He goes on to say, however, I also want to buy a home in the next couple of years. So he wants to know how consequential would it be to apply for a home mortgage with an existing car loan? How big of a deal is the debt to income ratio when it comes to home loans given modest car loans? P.S. I have an 800 plus credit score and the car loan would not exceed $17,000.
0: Okay, you are a very cautious, careful person, and I can't remember the last time somebody asked me a question specifically about buying a home in a couple of years and wanting to make sure you don't hurt your ratios. So if you were to take out this loan on the vehicle, there's an initial impact on your credit score, and it could actually hurt you in mortgage underwriting if you were buying a home in less than six months. Since your intention to buy a home is further down the road, this will not hurt you from a credit app standpoint. In terms of ratios, um, you know, if you carry low levels of debt and this is a reasonable monthly payment, this is not going to affect you in a significant way with the credit score you have I'm doubtful that this will impact you in any significant way. I mean, I don't expect it to impact you at all, actually, if you're planning to buy a home in, let's say, 2021 or 2022. Joel? Clark Joseph
2: in Tennessee says, I'm a middle school, sixth grade teacher, and I'm categorized in the high risk population. I'm over 50 and have a heart condition. Oh, I'm, and I'm sorry. Concerned that the school district won't have effective CDC safety guidelines put in place uh, uh, in time for the school year to begin so would I be eligible to apply for disability be- for, uh, because of this
0: to my knowledge no you will not be able to do a disability claim but you are being put in such a bind because you know we've talked so much about the kids and I've been kind of reckless talking about how much I want my kids to go back in the classroom and now that ship has sailed for my college-age daughter. They've now gone all online, and my son's school is starting to waver on whether they're going to be back in the classroom. So if the school district you teach in is not taking this seriously and is not planning to implement good safety guidelines, you need to organize, if you're not part of a teacher association or if you have no union you need to organize your fellow teachers and put as much pressure as you can as teachers have in other school districts to make sure that there is a safe environment for you that does not put your life at risk and the kids face very little consequence uh, as we generally know and accept from coronavirus it's the people a child may infect that could end up losing a life or losing their health so I would say don't sit idly by and become as active as you can making your voice and that of other teachers and administrators and staff heard. Kim?
1: On the note of school, Cindy in Ohio says, what are your suggestions about money management for teens going off to college this fall? Do you recommend a credit card for emergencies? And do you know, are there products that are great for college kids?
0: There are a few things you can do here. One is if your teen is very trustworthy in how they would use a piece of plastic, you can make a teen an authorized user on one of your credit cards. That will also help your teen establish if if you have a a good payment history and good credit score you pay this bill on time regularly it will help your teen establishing credit. Now once your uh, child's at college then it's possible to get a college student credit card. Now the regulations say that uh, college students are not supposed to be able to get a card before 21, but I'm finding that's not in place at all anymore. And in fact, my daughter, when she went to college two years ago, was able to apply for a college student credit card and get it. So, having credit established is a very valuable thing. And if you really trust your teen with money, then having them have an authorized user card would be great. If you don't trust them with money, make them an authorized user anyway. Just don't give over the plastic. As far as handling money, if they are not the most reliable in how they handle money, because every kid's different, I would recommend opening an account at an online bank and having a debit card assigned to it with a small credit limit so that there's not a lot or small credit limit that's the wrong way of putting it a small amount of money in the checking account with the online bank which would control what the spending limit is on the debit card. Joel?
2: Clark David in Iowa says now that my online bank savings rate went down to 1.05 percent With someone that's only got a few thousand in savings, is it better to just put that money into a Roth IRA or should I leave it in the savings account?
0: So the savings rates are going to continue to decline as um, the economy looks like the recovery is going to be much longer than we would want or hope. And I think we could see, even with the online banks, the savings rates fall below half a percent in the next couple of months but the Roth is a that's a different puzzle because if you take all your what would be your rainy day money and you stash it into a Roth IRA you now have no rainy day money you will have put money aside for the long term you invest that money and it could really help you many years down the road but they're really different kinds of things. It's not even like apples and oranges. It's like apples and ice cream. They're so different when you talk about having an online savings account for emergency savings and having a Roth IRA, which is to build a solid long-term financial future. But I do like the Roth, and I really am the man from Roth. So if there's no time like the present, if you think it would be safe for you to wipe out your savings to put money in a Roth IRA in an investment account and look at my investment guide at Clark.com and the low-cost companies that I recommend and the funds that I'd like you to look at putting your money into. Kim?
1: Tyler in Georgia says, I just received a $206 bill from our dentist For services that were provided two years ago oh Um, man really yeah my feeling is that maybe the dental practice is combing through old records to find a way to generate to generate billing regardless i paid the billing that was presented to me two years ago and they just sent me four pages of really complicated billing and i can't even reconcile what i've already paid so can they do this because i'm sure my fsa is going to reject something that is this old
0: so you don't know for certain that the FSA will reject paying this, but the dentist is not under any, there's no, there's no deadline that says you can't send a bill to somebody in a period of time. It's what rights they have to collect against that bill that are different from state to state and change with time. But what I would do is I would contact the billing person at the dentist, and say you can't make heads or tails of what they've sent you from two years ago, and could they go over it with you, pull up your account and go over it with you, and try to explain to you how they came up with the 206 And without, I know your frustration, without getting too snarky with them, try to get an explanation about how they came up with the $206 and why it took so long. tanner is with us on the clark howard show hello tanner hey clark how are you doing great thank you what's going on
2: so me and my wife are getting ready to buy our first house and we've been kind of debating back and forth on uh, in today's interest rate environment if it makes more sense for us to aggressively pay down the house or just to max out retirement before paying extra on the house
0: Definitely max out retirement before paying down on the house. The interest rate, what interest rate are you likely to get on the home?
2: So, so we're um, looking at a 30-year for 3% or either a 15 for
0: 2.5%. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So now you put me into a bind because, you know, I'm obsessed with 15-year mortgages as right. an option for people. Because my experience has been that when people do a 30 and say they're going to put the extra money into savings or investments, somehow it never quite makes it there. So I, Uh I love the 15 with the lower rate and the fact that you get out of debt twice as fast. But there's such a great advantage. Your rates are so low in either case to paying the mortgage as agreed So if you are, it sounds like you're really disciplined that putting money in retirement accounts really helps balance out your overall picture. Because even if you pay off your house, you can't eat your house, right? You need money you've saved to do that. So tell me, give me a picture. If you were to take the 15-year loan, 2.5% interest, versus 30-year at 3%, what does that do to you on the saving for retirement side? Like, how would that affect you?
2: I could probably still do it, but it'd be a little tight. So I was thinking maybe doing the 30 and then max the retirement out and anything extra throw at the
0: house. And that's perfectly acceptable to do. But if I was maxing out a 401k and then I was trying to decide what to do with the next dollar, Uh, I would still say it should go in a Roth IRA if you're income eligible, then go towards the mortgage on the house. Okay. Because your carry cost at a 3% mortgage rate is so, so low that the odds over time are that you're going to significantly out-earn that in your Roth IRA. You know not every year. You're going to have down years and up years, but over time you'd out-earn that. And you have more flexibility having money in that Roth IRA that grows tax-free and is spent tax-free.
2: Right. That's kind of what I was thinking. I just kind of wanted to hear it from you.
0: Well, congratulations to you for being in a position where you can even make these kind of decisions. And it's because you live on so much less than what you make. And that is what gives you power in our capitalist system. So good for you.